Bissell Church. It's good to see all of you this morning. My name is Kevin Cox. I'm the pastor of Bissell Church, and I'm glad that you're here. If you're a guest with us for the first time, thank you for honoring us by worshiping with us today. We know that you can be anywhere. The fact that you chose to be here, we really uh, we're honored by that. Today we're coming to the conclusion of a sermon series we've been looking at over the last few weeks called Amazing Grace. More than we deserve, greater than we can imagine. Most of you probably are unaware that a lot of times, uh, well, most weeks, I preach uh, two sermons. Not on Sunday morning, uh, but basically during the week. One to myself, and then I bring whatever God has spoken to me to you. Uh, most of the time it speaks more to me probably than it does to you a lot of times. Uh, but that's really what happens, is God speaks to me. And it's been interesting, as we've gone through this series on the amazing grace of God, how yeah, what happens is your eyes become aware to everything around you when it comes to grace, whether it's examples, whether it's other people teaching or speaking into your life. I've just seen way more than what I normally have when it comes to this idea of the amazing grace of God. So last week I showed you a picture, Katie, if you don't mind putting that one up there, of Demario Davis. And I told you last week, Demario um, is a big, I'm a big fan of his because of what he's doing. Now, for those of you that were not with us last week, um, obviously he plays, uh, he plays football for uh, the New Orleans Saints, but he um, started this, this kind of this mini movement of this headband that has Man of God on it. And it's taken off, um, and now it's, I told you last, uh, as of last Saturday, almost $120,000 has been raised, it's pushing $200,000 now, um, because people are so, um, just so stricken by the message that he's wearing, the NFL's allowed to wear it, people are buying these headbands, and it's going, he's giving all the money away to an under-resourced hospital in Jackson, Mississippi, which is his hometown. It's funny because people are applauding what he's doing. They're excited about what he's doing. His background is one truly of amazing grace. He spent time in prison. Uh, God got a hold of him while he was in prison. He said, I cannot stop talking about the Jesus that saved me. So they can find me, uh, but I'm still going to continue to talk about Jesus. And so we get excited about stories like Demario Davis and what God is doing in and through him. Now, We'll show you another picture. Can you go ahead and put this one up? This is Kanye. For those, uh, and y'all be patient with me just for a second, students. I'm going to talk to the crowd that's behind you. Okay? Some of you may have no idea who this is, and that's all right. This is Kanye West. He's the husband of who? Kim Kardashian. Okay? So we're going way into pop culture today, and here's the deal with Kanye. Okay? Kanye has come out and said that he's a follower of Jesus. Now, the problem is nobody believes him. They say, well, he's in it for the money. He's got an angle. And he just keeps going a little bit further into his faith. He's becoming a little more vocal about it. In fact, this week, an album uh, was released called Jesus is King. And there's still people are still going on Twitter and said there's no way he's really a follower of Jesus. So my question to you is, what's the difference between the two? Why do we struggle with him when we don't struggle with Mario Davis? And I thought, the struggle that, we, that I'm having with this is we've forgotten what amazing grace really is. Now it's hitting us right in the face. Do we really believe in it, or do we not believe in it? And the sad part about it is, the people that are questioning his newfound faith are people that look exactly like me. 
white evangelical pastors are the ones that are coming out saying, ah, there's no way, this is a fraud, he's a fraud, and he just keeps going a little bit deeper. And the problem is, if he's really become a follower of Jesus, who is it, who in here has the right or anywhere else to judge his newfound faith in Jesus? We can't determine his heart. But what it's going to do is, if he's really following Jesus, then it's going to cost him. It's going to cost him people listening to his album. It's going to cost uh, sponsorships. It's going to cost him if he's truly following after Jesus. My challenge to us, I'm not saying you need to go get his new album, Jesus is King. You can if you want. But we need to support people when they're coming into their faith in Jesus rather than saying, ah, there's no way that's real because of the life that he's lived. We didn't look into Mario Davis and said, oh, he's in prison. There's no way this is true. When we look at Kanye West and we start throwing stones. Now, the question is, are the people in our lives that we do the exact same thing? Oh, there's no way. That person has lived a crazy life. There's no way they truly found Jesus. Amazing grace. More than we deserve and greater than we can imagine. So the last few weeks, we've been looking at this idea of how powerful these two words are together. Not just a song. But this is who we should be as a people of God. Now, what happens here on out is up to is up to Kanye. What he does with his life, he's going to need, obviously, because of his celebrity status, he's going to need some people to come around him and disciple him. But sh where should we start with people like this? Fast forward to where we are today. We come to the last in our series on Amazing Grace, and we're going to look at and finish with a passage of Scripture that fits every one of us. And it's some words that Paul wrote in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 12. If you have your Bibles, turn with me, and we're going to look at a passage of Scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and I'm going to begin in verse 5 and read through verse 10, and we're going to wrap this thing up together. If you don't have your Bibles, then you'll be on the screen next to me, but I want you to see, and I'm going to give you four things this morning that you can kind of summarize this whole series with, and then we're going to come together to the greatest example of amazing grace and remember what Jesus did for every one of us. So here's what Paul writes to us, beginning in verse 5 of chapter 12. He says, I will, basically what has happened here is that Paul has received a vision at the beginning of chapter 12, and he doesn't want to become conceited, and so God does something to him. I will boast about a man like that, but I will not boast about myself except about my weaknesses. Verse 6. Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain, so no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say or because of these surpassingly great revelations. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, that, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. We started this idea that faith, um, that grace is this idea that it's the unmerited, undeserved, unearned favor of God on everyone who decides to follow after Jesus. Then we look at the story of the prodigal son coming home to the father. The father going, running to him, 
and then celebrating his return back to him. And then to learn what it means to extend grace to one another. And to me, I just keep coming back to that, that last point is that we need to learn how to forgive quickly and thoroughly. Rather than keeping other hoops that people have to jump through in order to receive the grace of God. And so we come today, and Paul, who has followed after Jesus for quite some time, and now has received a vision, and so he's, he says, I can boast in this vision because nobody else had it. It's a powerful vision, but I don't want to that. I want to boast in my weakness. So the Lord gives him a thorn in his flesh, a thorn in his side. Who knows? We don't know what it was, but he asked God three times, and he pleaded with him, take this away from me. But it was that thorn in his side that kept him focused on the grace of God. And I love what Jesus says to him. Nope, not taking it away from you. But my grace is sufficient for you. Now I got to think about that word sufficient. That doesn't sound like a whole lot. Maybe I need a little bit more than that. But the next phrase is this. So my power will be made perfect in you. I'm just going to give you enough. And my enough is way more than what you need. But I'll give you enough in order to continue to walk and follow after me in your time of weakness so that when people see you, they don't see the great Paul, what they see is the great Jesus. And so what's in your life? You think, oh, God, please take this away from me. I don't want this anymore. And today he's probably telling you, my grace is sufficient for you. Not so people can see how spiritual you are. That's not amazing grace. And so my power can be perfected in you and people say, that's a great God that they serve. So I want to wrap this up this morning with four things, and then we're going to take the Lord's Supper together. So we start looking at this idea of the solution that we call the amazing grace of God. Here's the first thing I want you to know. That amazing grace is all about God because it focuses on his goodness and not our own. It focuses on his goodness and not our own. I think what happens too often is we, we want people to see us or we want people to see that either I'm struggling or that I'm winning in my faith, whatever it may be. Or we want to see people to, we want to see people see how good that I'm doing. It has, that's not the amazing grace of God. What amazing grace does is it always comes back to the goodness of God and not our own goodness. The fact is, any goodness that I have within me is due to him. And so when we come to the Lord's table, when we say this is what we believe about Jesus, that he is Savior and Lord, it's about his goodness and not my own. That's the amazing grace of God. And here's the great part about that, is that if it were dependent upon everyone here to demonstrate amazing grace, we would be big time trouble over the long haul. But because it's based on the cross of Christ, what an amazing grace that is. Here's the second thing I want you to know. Not only is it about God and focusing on his goodness and on our own, it allows us to get help when we need it. Because when we need it the most, we deserve it the least. When I, when I made the biggest mess of my life, when I made the biggest sin in my life, that's when I need the most grace. In fact, that's when I deserve it the least, but that's when Jesus went to the cross for me. Now, I don't know about you. I don't know what kind of mess you made of your life or what you think the biggest sin in your life is. But the fact is, when I need it the most, that's when I deserve it the least. And that's when he shows up and says, here's what I did for you. That's amazing grace. 
And we can look at Demario Davis, and we can look at Kanye West, and we can look at Kevin Cox, and it's all the same. He says, I did this for you. This is my goodness. And when you did not deserve it, I gave you my best. I gave you my life. I gave you amazing grace. Here's the third thing. It allows us to be honest about our weaknesses while living in victory. It allows us to be honest about our weaknesses. What did Paul do? He didn't, he didn't, he didn't cover up, he didn't candy coat the fact that he was struggling. He didn't, he didn't say, oh, I'm a, I'm a spiritual saint. I am on the, the pedestal. I am on the mountaintop. No, what he said is, God, I don't like this. Three times, take this away from me. He's living in the midst of his weakness, and yet God says, my grace is sufficient for you. So whatever you're struggling with today, amazing grace says it's all right to struggle, but you can also live in the victory of what Jesus did on the cross for us. What we do is we try to cover it up. We don't want people to know what I'm struggling with. We try to, we try to kind of whitewash it, make sure that everybody thinks that I've got all my act together, and then we forget the amazing grace of God. But here's my question to you. Why do we do that? Because we like to judge. People know that if I, if, I sh if I share a little bit about my mess, are you going to judge and condemn me for it? Let's go back to what happened in John chapter 8. We looked at this woman was thrown right in front of Jesus. We like to judge and we like to condemn so we don't come out with our mess. We don't come out with our struggles. And so we have people in our body of Christ, people in our community, people that you live with and you work with and go to school with, that they're struggling. They haven't found victory to the bondage that they find themselves in because they don't know amazing grace. They either attend a church or maybe they even come in here where they're not extended amazing grace. Even when they don't deserve it, even when they're at their worst, what are they going to find when they come in our midst? We truly believe in the amazing grace of God. They're at their worst. It's when we give them our best. Because it's exactly what Jesus did. We don't require hoops to be jumped through. But here's the deal. Jesus did not look at that woman and say, I'm going to give you hump, I'm going to give you hoops to jump through in order to find this grace. But when he forgave her, he says, I don't condemn you. What did he say? Don't go do what you're doing. There has to be transformation. But what we want is we want people to clean their acts up before they come in here. And that's what, when I was looking through Twitter this past week, I mean, that's exactly what people are doing with Kanye West. They want you to clean up your act before you before we'll accept you. That's not what Jesus did. That's not amazing grace. There's an ugly word called legalism. That's what that is. Self-righteousness. What it is is people who have forgotten how much grace God has extended to them. And so we look at it, it allows us to be honest about our weaknesses while living in victory. And then there's the last one. It empowers us. And I love this. That amazing grace empowers us to minister grace to others and lead them to freedom from condemnation. That's the type of body of Christ that we need to become. That because we have been extended amazing grace, we did not deserve it, it's bigger than what we could possibly ever imagine, that what, because I've received grace, I want to turn that around and extend it back to others so they no longer are living lives that are under condemnation, under shame, and under guilt. We want to show them the greatness of Jesus. There are people in our community that are struggling what message do we want to share with them? 
the good news of the gospel that Jesus died for them, or you got to get your act together before you come to him. Amazing grace. And Paul would say, because the grace of Jesus is sufficient, more than he could ever possibly imagine. He said, I will boast in my weaknesses, because that's what Jesus is all about. I will boast in the moments when people put me down, they insult me, they affirm me, they do things to keep me from what God has called me to do. Because it's that moment that Jesus becomes big. Paul steps back, and Jesus is put forward. So this, this coming Thursday night, we have an opportunity to demonstrate the amazing grace of God. Many people will come to this place, they don't know Jesus, they don't go to a church. But what they're going to do, though, is they're going to look and they're going to watch and see how we interact with them. Are we going to look at them and judge them? Are we going to look down our noses at them? Are we going to look at them with the love of Jesus? People ask, why do you do this on Halloween night? And the response is simply this, because that's when the people who don't know Jesus want to be out. Why would the church not be there with the amazing grace of God? To me, it doesn't not make any sense not to. I want them to know the Jesus that we're about to celebrate. I want them to know the Jesus that went to the cross to break their bonds. I want them to know the Jesus that extended us amazing grace. This is, I forgive you before you even ask for forgiveness. That's the Jesus I want them to know. The same Jesus that went into a prison and said to Mario Davis, I'm going to pick you out of this place and we're going to change a whole hospital through you because you're going to come up with this crazy idea and put a headband on it that says, man of God. And I'm going to pick Kanye West out and I'm going to say, I've got bigger plans for you. I realize you have lived one of the craziest lives on the planet, but I'm about to do something that only Jesus can be glorified. Who can come up with a plan that says Kanye West can be the greatest evangelist that we've seen in our generation? To young people who do not know Jesus. See? Amazing grace. We can either point our finger and say, that's not real. Or we can say, Jesus, do something amazing through him. Guard him. Disciple him. Bring people around him. And then release him to do your kingdom work. Same thing goes with each and every one of us. When we come to the Lord's table... We end our time, this sermon series, with this right here saying to each and every one of us, my grace is sufficient for you. Whatever, whatever you need right now, he's telling you, my grace is sufficient for you. Because it's more than you could possibly imagine. Let's pray together.